In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Many of you know that Carol Moxie Gimba, who is sitting right here in the front row and who is now a vestry member of our church, is heading up the effort, a long effort, a spiritual and physical effort to establish the first L'Arche community in the state of Texas. For those of you that don't know, L'Arche is a French word that means ark, as in the vessel that Noah sailed in. But it specifically, nowadays, refers to a group of mostly residential places where intellectually disabled and non-disabled people live together in community. It's not a facility. It is a community. Uh, it was begun over 50 years ago by a man who died this year named Jean Vanier. And L'Arche alone is worth an hour's talk. But what I want to talk about today is a letter from the regional office that Carol got earlier this year. Maybe in March, I don't remember exactly, the L'Arche committee got an email from Carol saying that she had gotten bad news from the new regional director in St. Louis, a woman named Laura. Up until then, the L'Arche committee had been working with a Jesuit priest named Kevin, who was very encouraging. He loved our group. He was very encouraging. And his successor was now introducing herself to the people in Texas and Carol. Oh, Carol wrote, and this is paraphrased. <laughs> Apologies, Carol, it's not exact. Oh, she said, Laura is telling us we're not eligible for L'Arche. We are too far from another L'Arche community. And she suggested we find a different way to have a residence. Well, I was sick at heart. The founding of a L'Arche community was Carol's lifetime dream. She had gathered, almost miraculously, a group of people around her to form a committee to begin the work. And now, we were be being given a brush off? But a few days later, I was at Carol's house, and I asked to see the letter. She handed me a printed copy, which I read. When I finished, I laughed with relief. Yes, Laura did suggest that we might want to consider not aiming so high as L'Arche. Maybe we would want to start a different kind of community. And she did say that we were a long way from the nearest L'Arche community. But there was nothing in that letter of a brush off, nothing, not when I looked at it. Well, I'm gonna tell you that something similar, I think, is going on in today's gospel lesson, and the clue will be in Isaiah. John, who had baptized Jesus after telling Jesus that he was not worthy to baptize him, John, the Baptist, who had recognized Jesus as the Holy One of Israel, well, this same John had preached repentance and terrible vengeance to all of those who did not repent. While Jesus, the one he had thought was the Messiah, was more like Ferdinand the Bull, preaching generosity and servanthood and forgiveness. 
And while John shook his fist at his audience, urging them to repent, Jesus preached love. So today from prison, John sends some of his disciples to ask Jesus if maybe he'd made a mistake. Are you the one, John asks, or was I wrong? And you heard Jesus' reply in the Gospel reading. Jesus tells the disciples of John to tell John what they see and hear. That the blind recover their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the poor are hearing the good news. But now, let's look at Isaiah, the passage we read today, and see if maybe this passage and many, many, many others in the Old Testament are kind of like the letter that Carol received from the new head of the Larsh regional office. Starting with verse 4, which you can't tell in yours because they're not marked, but anyway, starting in verse 4, Isaiah says, Say to those who are of a fearful heart, Be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance and terrible recompense. He will come and save you. A little bit later then we read, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy, and so on. John has spent his whole ministry scolding, warning of terrible wrath, wrath of God for all of those who are not repentant, who are not righteous. He has done what all of Israel and Judah's prophets have done. And there is that part in Isaiah today that fits in with his outlook. But Jesus has grown up with the same scriptures, the same Isaiah, and he sees healing. Same exact scripture, but two different readings. So it's no wonder that John asks, He expected vengeance and wrath on all the unrighteous. And the one he believed was the anointed one who was going to bring this about is not coming with vengeance at all. But this is the part I just love. There's always something that I just love. And it's how Jesus responds. Jesus gives a mini great commission to John's disciples long before the one at the end of Matthew where Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, will tell his disciples to go out into the world and baptize all people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them all that I have taught you. Long before that, we get this little mini great commission. And that is, go and tell John what you see and hear. That sentence, that command is good for John's disciples, but it's also really good advice for us. Go and tell others what you see and hear of God working in the world. And if you're thinking, oh, I can't do that, it's embarrassing, and I might offend somebody, I have good news. You probably won't offend anybody 
if you only tell them what you see and what you hear and what you experience. When you talk that way, people are rarely offended, especially if you speak of what moves you, what gives you joy, what gives you new life. People get offended when you tell them what they should see and hear, what they should do, what they should believe. But not so much when you just tell them what you see. And you don't even have to use the word God or Jesus, and sometimes it's better not to. One of my favorite poets is Mary Oliver. She writes a lot of exquisite poems, but some of her very best are found in the book Thirst. And some of those poems then refer to God, but a lot of them don't. Most of them simply rejoice in what she sees around her. She tells the reader what she sees in such a way that the reader knows, recognizes something holy. From one of her poems, how many mysteries have you seen in your lifetime? How many nets pulled full over the boat's side, each silver body, ready or not, falling into submission? How many roses in early summer, uncurling above the pale sands, then falling back in unfathomable willingness? And what can you say? Glory to the rose and the leaf, to the sea, to the silver fish, glory to time and the wild fields, and to joy, and to grief's shock and torpor, its near swoon. In her poems, Mary Oliver proclaims that God is present in a way that anyone can hear. And in doing so, Mary Oliver lifts the reader up. She proclaims good news to the reader. And you can do this too, which is a line from another one of her poems. You can do this too. You can lift people up by telling of the beauty and goodness you see and experience in this world around you. Go tell others what you see and hear. In Romans 10, Paul writes, For everyone who invokes the name of the Lord shall be saved. How could they invoke one in whom they had no faith? And how could they have faith in one they had never heard of? And how here without someone, someone, to spread the news? And that is our job. It was the job of John's disciples to tell the places where they were seeing God at work and not even necessarily speaking the word God. Jesus didn't mention God when he answered John's question. He merely said, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. But why, Cynthia, you might ask, 
Why must I tell of the things I see and hear that show God in the world? Well, because people are starving, starving to hear good news. The TV alone is enough to make people give up all hope of anything good. People are dying, some literally, to know that there is something beautiful and good going on out there. And they need someone to help them sometimes, to stop looking at the television and to see God at work around them. And they don't want to be lectured. They don't want to be dragged to their knees and told to invite Jesus into their heart and that will solve their problems. They don't want that. They simply want to hear good news of your experience and your life. They want to know what lifts you up. And you can begin by simply telling them what you see and hear. Your ability to see good in the world, and for those of you who were here on Thanksgiving Eve, you remember I talked about Pollyanna? always looking for something, something good in all circumstances. What your ability to see something good in the world might be, it might be what makes a friend or a colleague or a neighbor or the cashier at the HEB that you always check out with. It may be what makes them ask you, what makes you see goodness all around you. And if they ask, then you have an opportunity to say, because I try to live the way Jesus did, and Jesus saw good in everybody. And if you do that, you will have, you will have shared your faith. And I would suggest that you don't begin this with a stranger. I would suggest that you practice with someone who loves you, who will understand what you're doing. Like at the dinner table, speaking some good thing that you saw done this day. Or get a church buddy and tell each other once a week something of God that you've seen in the world that week. It's really, really important. It is the main work that Jesus left us to do. And it is life-saving work. The sermon was pretty much formed when I sat down yesterday and read forward day by day. This is what I read. Prior to ordination, I worked as a newspaper journalist. I didn't have much of a faith to speak of, but I was transfixed by the stories of people whose lives depended on faith. It was an honor and a wonder to listen and convey their stories to a secular news-seeking public. Looking back, I realized the intimate and urgent faith of these Christians sparked my own thirst. I wanted to know about this God 
who ignited such a fire in their bones. So I invite you, I invite you to go and tell others what you see and hear. <laughs>